a mother and a father fight over a newborn baby. But this isn't any normal custody battle. The father's fighting to save the baby from the mother who believes that that newborn child will destroy the planet. And then we travel to Arizona to kick off Arizona Ghost Week, where we visit a local high school with a bizarre legend. Is there any truth to the story that if a girl is left alone in the Aniston High School locker room, she will be assaulted by a pervert from beyond the grave? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had a fun weekend. One last reminder before the event this weekend, May 14th, 2022. If you're listening to this episode in the year 2025, it's too late. May 14th, 2022, I will be at the McMinimins UFO Festival in McMinnville, Oregon, I will be there from 10 to 6 p.m. with my haunted museum. When I tell people about this, they keep saying it's going to look like a garage sale, Jason. It might, but it'll be a haunted garage sale. And so come out and check it out. We're going to be sitting there. We're going to be handing out stickers and putting on puppet shows between 1, 2, and an encore show at 2.30. That's not true. Don't come out if you actually think I'm going to do a puppet show. But I might. I probably I probably won't. It'll probably look janky enough, me sitting there with my garage sale slash museum. But someone who never looks janky, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, is one of our supporters of the show. Everyone give it up for Nathaniel Williams. Woo, yeah, yeah. We'll give him a big round of applause as he's walking in. And he's walking in. He actually bought me two books. So I'm going to spread his shout out over two episodes. He bought me some books off of my Amazon wish list. Nathaniel, thank you so much for that. In this first episode, he's getting a shout out for is he bought me this book. Everything is under control. Conspiracies, cults, and cover-ups. Thank you very much for this book. This book's written by Robert Anton Wilson. You know anything about conspiracy theories? You know that name. The reason why... The name Illuminati means so much in Western society is because of Robert Anton Wilson and his Illuminatus trilogy. It was a real group back in the 1700s, but he popularized it, and this is an encyclopedia of conspiracy theories. I spent probably 20 minutes flipping through this the other day. I found an iceberg topic that I covered a long time ago, and I was wrong. I was wrong. This book is so comprehensive, I've barely scratched the surface. We're going to have to do an update of an iceberg episode. Paleolithic Deep State is listed in this book. And I'm wondering, because this book is older, I'm wondering how many other iceberg topics could be in here. Fascinating book. Thank you so much, Nathaniel, for sending that over. You'll get a shout out when we do that Paleolithic Deep State cover up as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, 1998 is when that book came out. So it definitely predates the icebergs by a long time. So that is a great introduction. Nathaniel, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Hare Hovercraft. This is one of our vehicles that's kind of dusty. We don't use a lot. Let's all hop on board. Nathaniel, fire this bad boy up. We're headed all the way out to Prim, Nevada. I came across this story the other day. I do a lot of true crime on my TikTok channel, at Dead Rabbit Radio. That's where I really get my true crime fix. I don't cover as much on the show a lot. But every so often I come across one that's just so insane 
that you just got to spend a little more time talking about it than just a minute. We're in Prim, Nevada, and this just happened on March 26, 2022. There's this woman named Ashley Hollingsworth. She's 23 years old, and she's nine months pregnant. And her boyfriend, who does not give his name, he does not want to be associated with this woman at all at this point. He's probably deeply embarrassed. We're going to call him Mark. They're over at like a relative of his house. They're staying at a relative's of Mark's. And it's just them two in the house. Well, baby makes three, right? She's nine months pregnant. This little baby person's getting ready to pop out. And it's probably been a super stressful nine months, right? I've never gotten anyone pregnant. And I can't imagine what it would be like to spend nine months with someone constantly like waddling around the house. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd hang out with the penguin. But on this particular day, I don't know how much of this, I don't know how much of there was a lead up to this, but according to Mark, it's, or according to the news articles on this, because this is a true crime case, seems like it maybe it just started this day. She's waddling around the living room with this baby inside of her, and she goes, hey, Mark, Mark, can you do me a favor? And he's like, oh, what, what, am I going to go like to the store and get some pickles or something for you? She's like, no, no. Although <laughs> now that you mention it, I would like some pickles. No. Mark, will you punch me in the face? Can you start punching me in the face right now? He says, I'm not going to punch you in the face. And she's like, come on, please. Pretty please. And he won't do it. So just from the get-go, Mark's a pretty stand-up. <laughs> Mark is not a man who punches people in the face. He's a stand-up guy. And she's begging him to do it. And he's like, no, I'm not going to punch you in the face. What is going on? Why are you bringing this up all of a sudden? She then starts punching herself in the face. And then looks at him and says, I'm ready to go to heaven. Now, your stress level is already super high, right? Because a baby is going to come out of this girl at any moment. But I can't imagine the fear of you're sitting there with a woman and she starts punching herself in the face. Because you know what everyone in the world's going to think, including the police officers who come to arrest you. They're not going to believe you if you say, well, she's punched herself in the face. So I'm sure Mark was on super edge, but for whatever reason, he didn't immediately like freak out. He just sat there, kept reading a magazine or playing video games. A couple hours later, Mark's sitting there and he's like, dum 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 <laughs> You know, I wonder what's going on with my um, partially insane girlfriend. And she's nine months pregnant. I should go check on her. So he goes and he goes into the bathroom and there's a baby in the toilet. Well, not just, not just a baby, his baby. His baby's in the toilet. And he's like, oh my God, what? Did you give birth while you were in here? And she's just like looking away from him in the corner, just going, uh, uh, not the baby, not the baby. Ashley is acting super weird. And yes, she went to the bathroom and pushed out a baby. Pretty silently, I'll say, because he didn't hear anything. So the, he wraps the baby. Baby's totally fine. He gets a little towel, hopefully a little soft towel with ducks on it. He wraps the baby up and he's like, dude, we got to go. We got to go to the hospital right now. Like this baby. I don't know much about babies. This is my first one, but I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to be born in toilets. He gets the baby and they're running out to the car and she's like, oh, can I hold the baby? Can I hold the baby? You know, mom knows best. And he's like, yeah, sure. Gives her the baby. I'm okay. So Mark does the right things in this story, but he does make some bad decisions. He gives the baby back to Ashley, and they both get in the car, and he's driving down the road to the hospital. And Ashley is looking at the baby, and then she starts going, you're a little devil, aren't you? You're a little devil, baby. You Look at you. Look at you with your dark thoughts. Look at you. <laughs> look at you with your intention to destroy humanity. <sighs> and she begins to try to suffocate the baby. 
Mark's driving this car, right? There's a there's a toilet baby in the passenger seat with this crazy mom. And he looks over and Ashley keeps putting like the towel, the blanket actually is what they got. Because I looked at my notes, I looked a little closer at my notes. It wasn't a towel, it wasn't a coarse towel that they picked up off the bathroom floor. She keeps taking the towel and she's putting it over the baby's mouth. And then she would take it off. And then she would put it over the baby's mouth. Baby's mouth and nose. She's trying to suffocate the baby. And she starts saying, this baby's grunting at me. This baby's the devil. I have to kill it. Mark's driving a car, right? And now Mark is, <laughs> Mark's like, stop it, stop it. He's like trying to get the blanket off the baby's face. And she keeps doing this. This baby is like four minutes old at this point. <laughs> I guess it would still be awful if it was a three-year-old. But this baby's like four minutes old. He then has to fight for the baby. He grabs it from his girlfriend and now in one arm he's holding a four minute old toilet baby and in the other arm he's speeding through traffic trying to get to the hospital and she keeps going no mark you don't understand this baby is evil like look at the way it sticks its tongue out look at the way it's grunting at me it's going eh, eh, eh. which i don't know i've never been around a newborn baby but i <laughs> are in control of what they say or where their tongue is she keeps saying this baby is going to get into our brains and she's going to make us kill each other that child we have to kill it we have to kill it it will destroy the world mark please give me back the baby i'll take care of it mark's like no i'm just going to keep <laughs> keep driving the car this baby can grunt at you all that it wants and she keeps arguing have you ever seen a baby come out clean before like when i gave birth it wasn't covered in any sort of like weird, gross stuff that comes out of people. It was just clean. Now, to be fair, it did fall in a toilet. So maybe that washed some of it away. And he's driving the car. He's holding this couple minute old baby. And he gets to the hospital. And when they get to the hospital, they're like getting out. And the hospital staff kind of sees what's going on. This car peels in <laughs> he was busting donuts he's like out of the way ambulances he's warding them off he pulls up this guy jumps out with this little baby and then ashley gets out of the car and she's covered in blood from the waist down like she's having some serious hemorrhaging and the hospital stuff's like oh what in the world <laughs> what in the world could possibly be going on stay away ambulances we don't care about your broken arms and stroke victims we want to help this crazy couple well ashley it looks at the hospital staff and notices that she's bleeding and then ashley just runs away and Mark's sitting there holding the, the, this baby. He's like, I'm not going after that woman. She's totally nuts. And he goes into the hospital and he starts telling him, hey, you got to call the police. Like this woman, she tried killing my baby. And I think she's going to hurt herself. She's talking about people trying to take over the world. And the baby is telepathically trying to murder people and stuff like that. The baby's totally fine. They brought the baby in for being a toilet baby. <laughs> the baby is totally fine. They said the baby never really lost any oxygen in the water or with the blanket. Baby's totally fine. But the police are now looking for Ashley. And about two hours after this all started, they find her. They find her in the forest. There's like a surrounding forest around this area or a wooded area. I don't know if it's like an enchanted forest of gingerbread houses. But the cops find her and her face is just totally swollen up. It's totally beat up. The cops are like, whoa, what happened to you? And she goes, oh, I was walking through the forest. You know, just normal day, just normal day having toilet babies. And then I was taking a walk through this forest and a rock started beating me up. It started punching me like a Popeye cartoon. And the cops are like, great. 
So they obviously, one of them super scared of rocks. He's all shooting the rocks around. Oh no, I think I saw that move. They're like, a rock didn't really beat her up, you idiot. Let's bring her back to the hospital. She obviously needs, she's bleeding and her face is all busted up. And so they take her back to the hospital. The cop's super suspicious. He won't turn his back on any rocks. There's like a gravel pathway. He's like, no, it's a trap. They take her back to the hospital and she's like, tell you what, guys, I lied. A rock didn't beat me up. I made that up. What actually happened was I ran away from my baby because I thought my baby's just going to make me murder a bunch of people. And if I didn't run away quick enough, the baby would start following me. So I had to run as far away as possible. And then once I got out of the baby's telepathic range, I realized what a horrible mother I was. I decided to kill myself. So I saw this giant rock and I began smashing my face into the rock 15 times to kill herself. And then she's basically like completely bloodied. She's all bashed up. And then she realizes something is preventing her from killing herself. So even though she seemed to fall out of this mania where she thought this baby was evil, she had to kill the baby, she got far enough away from it and she was finally like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person. I shouldn't have done that. I have to take my own life. She still attributed some sort of psychic or supernatural force to keeping her from killing herself, bashing her head in. But she goes, doctors, cops, I can obviously see these psychologists walking into the room as well. Don't worry, Ashley said, don't worry. You see, Jesus put good magic on the baby. And now the baby's okay. And I will be okay too. I'll be okay. So she's spitting up teeth and her head is throbbing. There's little like birds floating around lumps in her head. This is what's interesting about this story. One, outside the fact that it involves toilet babies and satanic prophecies and Jesus magic and all that stuff. What's so fascinating about the story is we will never hear about this story again unless something really bad happens in the future. Like this woman who has two other kids, by the way. I can I can tell you how this story will progress without any of us knowing. Um, she'll stay living with the kids. She'll probably get some psychiatric help. Whether or not it helps, we won't know. Hopefully it does. But she will stay with the kids. Mark may file for sole custody of this child right the mom's danger she tried murdering it some nevada judge will say well we think that you know that's a little radical right sure he, she tried killing her baby multiple times but let's go ahead and do the co-parenting thing and there'll be joint custody i can i can already predict that will happen and we hope i hope i never hear about these people again right i hope ashley hutchinson is just becomes a name on this episode or sorry that name doesn't exist ashley hollingsworth Hopefully I never hear about these people again. That means their life was fairly normal. If these people pop up again, it's because she murdered her child or some bizarre murder-suicide thing, and which you know could happen in a week. It could happen 10 years from now when her daughter's getting ready to do the school play and Ashley Hollingsworth has another mental breakdown and kills her kid before she can go on stage and says if she had gone on stage, she would have been able to influence the entire PTA and I stopped that. I saved the world. This is one of those stories that we the only way we'll ever have a follow-up is if it's completely tragic. So I hope I never hear about these people again. I hope they live long lives. But if I was that boyfriend and now that dad of that kid, there is no way I would let her near that kid. Ever. But when I read all this true crime stuff... All this true crime stuff, judges are constantly picking their nose 
and not paying attention and then going joint custody and then something awful, absolutely awful happened. So again, I hope I never hear about this family again. It's a funny story because the baby survived. If this story if this story ended with the baby dying, I probably wouldn't have had I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't have had as much fun telling it. I might not have even had shared it with you, but bizarre. You have a crazy lady mixed with that paranormal fanaticism, right? We all enjoy the paranormal. We talk about the paranormal, and some of us believe it more than others. But when you let it, you here's here's a tip. Here's a tip. It's okay to believe in the paranormal. It's okay to engage in the paranormal. But if the paranormal ever tells you to kill your baby, you've gone too far. That's when you know that it's time to stop. So, Ashley, take those words of wisdom, hopefully, and don't do this again. You're a bad mom if you try killing your baby or any anyone, really. Fascinating, though, story. Would you feel comfortable living? Would you feel comfortable at falling asleep next to that woman? Let alone your kid, your defenseless kid in a little crib. And you're like, well, I got to go to work. I'm headed on down to the shoe factory. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Plus, the shoe factory is not hiring. I've always wanted that job. Crazy, crazy story. Nathaniel, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're going to leave behind Prim, Nevada. We're headed a little south. All the way down to... Wait, did I say this was Haunted Arizona Week? I think I did. Nathaniel, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Prim, Nevada. We're headed all the way out to Anniston, Alabama. I think in the intro I said this was Haunted Arizona Week. <laughs> let's say it's haunted states that start with a week. I actually thought this story took place in Arizona. It takes place in Alabama. I got to be honest with you guys. I want to be honest with you guys. Recently, I did an episode, and it, I'll put it in the show notes. It was about a ghost hunter saying that the ghosts in Britain seemed to be drying up. That there were less reported hauntings over the past like year or two. And the, even in very famous haunted locations, it seems like the ghostly activity was drying up. We did an episode on it. It was really interesting. I'll be honest, these past three weeks, this week included, I have had a very hard time finding new paranormal stories i've been having to go back i've been having to go through these huge indexes i have like think about it docs.com and the shadowlands and stuff like that looking at these huge something is happening in the world of the paranormal i don't know what it is i it used to be every week i would find maybe 15 20 stories that i could cover and i would boil it down to 10 like my cup runneth over with new paranormal stuff stuff that's happening right now and the past three weeks, something is going on in the world of the paranormal. I don't know what it is. We covered it when the guy in Britain did this. Where are the ghosts going? It does seem like something's happening. I, I don't know what's happening, though. So I was, I'm doing a lot of ghost stuff this week, and I thought I was doing this Arizona ghost thing, but this story takes place in Alabama, and I've actually had to be, like, going through these indexes. These are my reservoirs. If no other paranormal stories pop up, I still have enough material for about 800 more episodes, I would say, 900 more episodes. But obviously, you don't want to constantly be retrieving from the well. You do want some cutting-edge paranormal stuff. You want to mix it up, right? You want to mix it up, but... I don't know what this phenomenon is, or maybe it's just a, a natural slump. I haven't not, in my four years now of doing this show, I haven't experienced something like this. So this, this is weird. I wanted to make a note of that. But anyways, we're pulling up to Anniston, Alabama. The year's 2001. Specifically, we're headed out to Anniston High School. 
And at this school, at Anderson High School, there's an urban legend that all the freshman girls that are starting school are told this story. I don't know if this is an official thing. I don't know if the principal sits down with them and holds a flashlight up to his face and goes, now girls, listen. I don't know if it's that or if it's just other classmates telling them. But apparently this story has been going on. It's been passed down from generation to generation. So here's the story. Here's the story that the high school girls at Anison High School are told um, in summary, right? There is a young girl named Nancy, and she always loved going to the PE locker room. She was the first person there. She was the first person to leave. She's very punctual. And the reason why she wanted to be the first person to leave so she could get to the bus on time and take the bus home. And then she's probably the first person to show up at home. She's a latchkey kid. And she walks in, she makes herself some macaroni and cheese. But this particular day, Nancy is there with her friend Betty, and they're both in the locker room, and Nancy is not able to get everything done as quickly as possible. And she's like, oh no, what am I supposed to do next? Put on my clothes, or do I take a shower? I don't remember this. For whatever reason, she doesn't remember the order of how to ready herself. She's she's going slow, and Betty's like, Nancy, come on, come on, you gotta hurry up, you're gonna miss the bus. Again, completely uncharacteristic for Nancy, but she can't get her stuff together. So Nancy's finally ready to go, finally ready to go. Her and Betty jump up, they leave the gym, and as they're walking to the bus, Nancy goes, oh my God, I forgot my purse in the locker room. And Betty's like, dude, listen, go grab your purse. I'll try to hold the bus, but if you gotta get your stuff together, you're normally like the most prompt. I know, I know, I don't know what's going on. So Betty goes to the bus and Nancy goes back to the locker room and she is all alone in there. She's just walking through the locker room to get her purse. She will be out of here in a minute. But that's when she hears the door to the locker room open and close. That's the door like kind of swiveling back and forth. And she goes, Coach, Coach, or Tim the Toolman Taylor, whoever made that noise. Coach, don't lock up. I'm still in here. I'm just grabbing my purse. Purse, purse. Her voice echoes through the empty locker room. She's like, oh man, super spooky in here all by myself. I've never been here all by myself. Even though even though it did state earlier that I show up, I'm the first one here. Forget that detail. I've never been here this late by myself, I meant to say. She begins to hear the sound of feet walking towards her. Sound of heavy footsteps. She goes, that's weird. That sounds like a sound. That sounds like a sound of a man slapping his sweaty thighs in a haunted closet. Or the sound of feet. But that doesn't sound like my coach's feet. He definitely doesn't sound like a sweaty thigh. Coach? 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 No one responds, but she clearly hears someone else walking through the PE room. And then she hears right behind her, or she feels would be more apt. She feels warm breath right on her neck. So at that point, she realizes this isn't the coach. And just then she feels these strong hands wrap around her. And there's this, now she's in the fight for her life. She's fighting with this total stranger. She's never seen this guy before. He's this big, brutish man. And he's completely overpowering her. He, within seconds is in the power position in this fight. And she's screaming for help. She's hoping someone can hear her. Maybe the coach is walking by. Maybe Betty also left her person here. Someone has to hear her. She's screaming for help. And this maniac, I don't want to get into too many details, but this maniac begins ripping her clothes off. 
So I think we can imply what this maniac wants. This isn't just a regular serial killer. He's also a perverted dude. And he's screaming at her to just shut up, shut up. And she won't shut up. So he begins strangling her. And in her last moments of consciousness, she's uh, she reaches up and she grabs onto one of the lockers and pulls it down on this dude. He's like, ah, oh, he's like, empty lockers, my only weakness, ah. And the lockers smash into him, and, like, he falls off of her, and then he's like, no, no, and he falls on the ground, and the lockers <laughs> squish his head open. There's just blood everywhere. And Nancy scrambles to her feet and runs out of the locker room. The bus is gone. She's sitting there, and her clothes are tattered, and she goes to a payphone and she calls her mom. The mom calls the police. They go there. And when the police get there, they walk into the locker room, guns drawn. They see the lockers knocked over. They see Nancy's purse. And they see a pool of blood. But they don't find a body. This story has apparently been going around since 2001, and there's two additions to it. One is, the story has now become, a young girl should not be alone in the PE locker room at Anniston High School, because if you are alone, just the one of you, you will hear the sound of a door opening, the sound of heavy footsteps walking towards you, and the sensation of someone breathing on the back of your neck, but when you turn around, there's no one there. So classic haunting, classic ghostly activity. And then there's an all, another edition of the story. People were telling the story every year since 2001, and no one really believed it, or some people believed it, thought it was spooky. Until one night, there was another girl who, she was there, she was supposed to be in the band. She was part of the band, and they were going to perform at the football game that night, the home game. And this young girl, she stayed behind in the locker room to do some changing. She had to get her big fuzzy hat, switch it out for, I don't know, a small fuzzy hat. And she never showed up for the band. She like They did the whole performance. They didn't know where this girl was. And then after the football game, and as the band was filing out of the auditorium, the stadium, I meant, they see their fellow band member sitting there on the corner, her clothes in tatters, and she's crying. And they said, we never saw her again. Like, she never came back to school. Apparently, her family moved. It does feel like an urban legend, and urban legends are always there to teach us a lesson. And the lesson in this story is young women don't be alone in a place where you can't easily get help, I think is the... But, but that's that situation's global. That situation's everywhere, right? You don't hear stories about don't walk down the street at night because otherwise a ghost might get you. Like, why is that this urban legend so specific to this location at this high school? Was there an assault on a young girl, a sexual assault on a young girl in this location? And instead of telling that story about something that happened between a teacher and a student or a student and a student, however it worked out, a student and a stranger... You wrap it in a ghostly box because it goes down easier. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like you could just tell the story like, hey, ladies, don't be alone. There's perverts out there, especially in a locker room where we've in the past had perverts show up. It's also possible that there is a haunting there. It's also possible that because I've come across this a lot and we're going to be talking about this later in the week when we continue our ghost with, from states that start with a special. You have 
a haunting. The, at this P.E. locker room, there may be the sound of a door opening and footsteps and the warm breath on the back of their neck. And someone retconned that story for a reason why. And then, unfortunately, the story about the young girl who was in the band, that could have been, again, a totally unrelated event, a unrelated sexual assault as of this story, but who knows, right? But all of that stuff is really fascinating, and that's definitely a path we can travel down. But I wanted to actually end this episode by bringing up a conspiracy theory that I talked about a long time ago. It's probably one of the most uncomfortable conspiracy theories we've talked about on this show. And this story reminded me of that. I did an episode a long time ago called Scooby-Doo SVU. And it was about sex offenders and their connection to the world of the paranormal. And what happened, what sparked that episode is I, I thought, are there, this is a conspiracy theory, which now I used to say are there. Now I think I started, there are, there are, there has to be groups of sexual perverts, pedophiles, rapists, however they are, right? They're all kind of the same ilk. Who use magic to attack their victims. It has to exist. It has to exist. Because we, in the world of paranormal, we believe in magic. We believe that people use magic for dark purposes. The thing I was specifically saying is, is there a group of pedophiles out there who summon the ghosts of dead children to molest them? And while I was researching that, I found out that there's just a bunch of pedophiles involved in the world of the paranormal. There's a ton of them. Since that episode, one of the guys from one of the East Coast states for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, got caught soliciting like a 13-year-old or 16-year-old or whatever it was. Like since that episode. And in that episode, I'll put it in the show notes, it's like example after example after example of people using the world of the paranormal to attack victims. And... They're, they people have to be using this in more darker... Well, they're both horrible, but people have to be using magic to do this stuff. I am. I used to say, is there, and now I would say, there is most likely a group of pedophilic dark magic users who summon the ghosts of dead children and molest them. It just has to. In, in, in all the stuff that we've covered, that... It seems reasonable. I'm not saying the activity seems reasonable. There has to be a group like that. And when you can name a group like that and you can't find them, again, that as a conspiracy theory makes me more... It makes me more certain that that group exists and they're really good at covering their tracks. If you have all these other groups, you know, like the Illuminati, the Trilateral Commission, or the Bilderberg Group, they're all economically powerhouses, right? But... You also would have, if you were saying if you have a bunch of businessmen wanting to control the world of business, you would have perverts going, you know what, I'm a super pervert guy, I'm a super perverted guy, and I really wanted to hook up with Jean Bonnet, but she's dead. Or is she? And then they like summon Jean Bonnet's ghost. It has to exist. And here's the thing, even if it didn't work, even if it didn't work, people have to be trying that. I would find it absolutely shocking that there's not a single Venn diagram of people who are perverts and people who are users of magic or steadiers of magic. Even if it didn't work, they're trying to use Ouija boards or summoning spells or whatever. I'm not saying that Jean Benet is actually showing up in these locations and she's being traumatized. I'm saying that people are trying to do that. It has to exist. And when I read this story, 
I thought he might have not, even the first time this guy showed up, that might have been the ghost. That might have been the specter. She never really got a good look at this dude. It was just this big, brutish guy who gets his brain smashed in with a locker and then just disappeared. There's no body or anything like that. So I'm thinking, what if that was also the spirit? What if someone is summoning these beings, these ghosts, to kind of wander the world and you're basically astrally traveling to be a rapist? I mean, rape and all that stuff is scary enough. But like a ghost popping out of your closet and doing it is like far, ter far more terrifying. I think this story reminded me of that. I think there is a huge, so many stories about ghosts like inappropriately touching women. We talked about that in an episode a long time ago. I'll put that episode in the show notes. But I think, you know, you can look through any ghost book and they'll talk about, oh, that ghost is a randy ghost. He'll sit there and he'll pinch that woman's butt. I think that there is a huge crossover between sexual perverts and practitioners, specifically of the dark arts, right? I don't think a lot of people out there who are doing like healing stone crystals and selling them at the fair, I'm not saying that person's a pervert, but they could be, who knows? I think that there is a crossover, and I think the fact that you cannot find a group that does this means that they are so well hidden, they are so underground. I can type in almost any conspiracy theory, the craziest thing you can think of, and you'll find some sort of connection behind it. But if you try looking up pedophiles who summon the ghosts of dead kids, not even on like dark web creepypastas does this stuff exist, which makes me think it exists. And this story reminded me of that, of that crossover between the world of sex perverts and the world of the supernatural. And I said on that past episode, is there a group of people who engage in black magic and molest dead children? And now, I, I after a, what, it's been two years since I had that episode, I do have to say, yes, there is. And the fact that we can't find any proof of this group means either it doesn't exist, right? That's what a skeptic would say, but I think it exists and it's so powerful that they just hide it. You can't prove it. You can't find anything on it. It's fascinating and it's disturbing to me. This group probably does exist. This may be the first time they're being openly accused of existing. I mean, again, the fact that there is nothing, not even in fiction, that really talks about this stuff makes me think that there are hidden hands keeping this story from getting out there. Now, I'm not saying this show is going to get canceled because I released this episode or I'm going to get assassinated or anything like that. Because people are just go, ah, oh, that's just some weirdo talking in his closet. But I think this group exists. And I think that there is a huge crossover between this type of disgusting activity in the world of the paranormal. I guess the question you have to ask yourself is how far are you willing to go to find out the truth? And for a topic like this, I mean, I'm fine just, I'll be honest, I'm fine just thinking this might exist. Like, I don't want to... Maybe it's something that I don't want to know for certain that exists, that I don't want to stumble across the website. It's like some things you may be better off not knowing are real, and you just would rather just hear this creepy story that they tell in Aniston High School that's vaguely related to a conspiracy theory that... Like, would how much would your worldview change if you knew for certain that there was a group out there trying to do this and... How much of your worldview would change if you knew they were successful in summoning the spirits of the dead to continue to torment them? 
just because some people have access to the right magical tools and a disgusting, sick perversion. They get to break the laws of reality and continue to torment these children after they're dead. That sounds so horrifying to even put into words. Would you want proof of that? Would you want to know for certain when you read these horrible news articles about things that happened to these kids, you, you, you go, well, at least their suffering is over. But what if you knew for certain that their suffering was just beginning? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.